Hi, I'm Sess Busby. Welcome to First Act, the podcast series brought to you by Koshi's Business Builders, where we chat to inspiring innovators across the startup and small business ecosystem. If you're looking for small business inspiration, you can find us at www.koshisbusinessbuilders.com.au or join us on Facebook. Hi, everybody. Today I'm chatting with Dean Foley. Dean is the founder of Bariyamo, Australia's first Indigenous accelerator program. He launched Bariyamo in 2016, and since then he's helped Indigenous entrepreneurs to facilitate their dreams. He's also one of the honorees on our inaugural Koshi's Business Builders Power List. Welcome, Dean. So, Dean, if we can just go back to the beginning, you're a young Indigenous boy growing up in rural Australia. I don't imagine entrepreneurship was... Um, part of your realm or the first choice for you. So can we get a bit of insight into your first career? Yeah, yeah. Like um, uh, in some Indies, you know, most people just getting by, pay get good paycheck. So um, I'm just, you know, working just to have a roof over the head. So um, entrepreneurship and owning business was definitely not something um, that came up on conversations. It was all just about getting a job and you know, have enough money to, to pay the bills and then hopefully, you know, buy a house and stream dream and, and uh, yeah, that way, that stream. So, um, yeah, never thought about entrepreneurship. After finishing uh, high school, I wasn't too sure what to do, but always wanted to serve in the defense force like my grandfather did. He fought uh, in numerous locations in World War Two from... Um, uh, nearby in PNG to um, one of the, being one of the rats in Chibok. So um, it was just inspirational, you know, uh, what he did and the other soldiers did um, defend Australia and obviously human rights. And um, yeah, so I ended up applying to the Air Force and, and got in. And how do you think that the, that early grounding in the Air Force has benefited you later? Was it, what, what were your mm. takeaways, I guess? Uh, there's heaps of um, takeaways. Like, like I'd, um, you know, recommend anybody, uh, especially young ones, to uh, join defence if they don't know what they want to do, just to give, um, just to get out of the shell, you know, to the world, um, get a bit more discipline, oh. and then also, you know, just find out what you don't like. So. Um, the Air Force was an invaluable experience, learn a lot, um, obviously discipline um, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, during that time, uh, a friend in the Air Force dropped a book on my desk um, about entrepreneurship and I read that and that was kind of a light bulb moment. And yeah. that's, that's when I, you know, I knew, um, even though you know, I was grateful for my experience and in time in the defense force, I knew, you know, it was for me. Um, didn't really like the, the hierarchy structure. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I went to leave, uh, leave the Air Force and, and go learn about to run and grow and get senses. Yeah. So then where, so the book lands on your desk and you think um, there's a different way for me. I, I want to embark on a, a career change. When did the idea to start... Um, your own accelerator come to you? Like, when did you realise, actually, it's not just me that has this entrepreneurial spirit, there's a whole bunch mm. of my community that are like that and I can do something about it? 
Yeah, it's been come to me for like, like two years. So after leaving the Central, so I was doing um, a bunch of random jobs after I left. Again, just to you know, pay the bills, like um, working in retail, um, hospitality, and even um, at university. And and um, during that time, and you know, just learning about businesses, um, just trying to connect with people, learn as much as I can from mentors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out about um, opportunities. Um, Indigenous people potentially get uh, support and um, like I never heard of that before. Um, never had much to do to get with the government to be honest. Um, you know, growing up in rural rural town and and then um, so yeah, just thought it was interesting. Went set up more. I found it a bit frustrating, like um, me personally, like they receive a lot of money and I. Didn't find them to be too helpful, huh. um, and so I was a bit frustrated. I was just like, you know, whatever. I'm just gonna you know, keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I'm not worried about these guys. And I got invited to Australia Health about that weekend, um, which is run by iLab at the University of Queensland, and went to that. So it was pretty cool. Like never been to a startup weekend before, and. Had a great experience, um, and there were a few other Indigenous participants. And at the end of it, I said that was a good idea to hold the, the first um, Indigenous startup weekend, you know, to promote Indigenous entrepreneurship and um, also, you know, get everybody together and hopefully build some cool stuff. Mm. And that was how long ago now? Uh, that was um, mid, about mid 2016. Yeah. Time flies. <laughs> so, how has um, your accelerator program evolved from that initial kind of, you know, let's all get together and, and start something to what it is today? Yeah, so after going to that startup weekend, a couple months later, um, uh, with no experience, you know, put together the World Search and Business Startup Weekend and and it's just a really good vibe and from the indigenous people that went there and like and and talking to others like I knew they needed to be more because there's a lot of money you know, floating around but from my experience you know it's very hard to get support like I'm not too mm. sure what they were doing with the money um, and I knew they needed to be more so I reached out to all the accelerator programs or a lot of them around Australia and one of them got back to me in shock they saw the value in um, mm. helping me and Ended up running uh, the world's first indigenous accelerator program ended 2016, a couple months after the startup weekend with zero dollars. Um, wow. And yeah, and then a couple months later, um, Clayton Utes, uh, a law firm, helped me incorporate Ariyama and, and get charity status. So I guess from that early stages of doing everything with zero dollars, <laughs> it was quite, you know, challenging. Yeah. You have to be um, very resourceful. Um, so I was lucky enough to uh, get some really good support early on, and then from there, um, you know, just been building up the programs and um, attraction and track record, um, basically zero dollars uh, while competing against organisations that are kind of bankrolled um, by you know taxpayer money. So it's it's, it's challenging, but. Um, at the end of last year, um, we put an application for 
Launchic to run the first Indigenous Accelerator Program in Victoria and the charity Barriamo, um, which I help run, is, is uh, was able to secure that, like against the good big competition um, we were facing. So we were very humbled um, that we were chosen and had the trust um, from Launchic to you know, do it um, and show people how it's done. <laughs> I, I reckon you have. Um, you're already helping lot of uh, Indigenous entrepreneurs get their first step into that startup ecosystem. Um, what do you say to people? Because there's there's a lot of kind of detractors of the Indigenous community. They don't think the Indigenous community is, um, equates with innovation, but Kind of, in my opinion, the Indigenous community has been innovating for thousands of years. <laughs> they yeah. wouldn't have survived all this time without being able to be agile and adapt, you know. So what do you say to those kind of naysayers? And, and how do we get more recognition for the great amount of talent that is out there? Yeah, I guess to, to put it into context, I guess... Um, of- you could take away some like of the defense for sort of things like, you know, propaganda. So, um, you know, it never really occurred to me until I left the Air Force and, um, you know, I started to realize, um, yeah, there is, you know, a bit of propaganda out there, um, towards Indigenous people, which is why there's, I guess, a lot of, um, negative stereotypes. Um, but in saying that, you know, there's a lot of Indigenous people that, you know, weren't paid um, wages and that kind of stuff. So we could to, um, and obviously had the, the land taken away. So they had no assets. Um, they weren't getting paid. They had no money. Um, so, you know, there's like, you know, forcing to poverty. Um, and I only got recognized to vote, what, like 30, 35, 40 years ago. So in the constitution, the Australian constitution. So, um, you know, from from there to um, you know, trying to build wealth, even though there's no intergenerational wealth, uh, you know, get loans to the bank, um, most people live in paycheck to paycheck and you know, try and break, break that poverty cycle. Um, you know, obviously there's gonna be massive challenges um throughout the the system, but um you know, keeping that in mind, that, that context, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the young ones now have the opportunity to actually go to school, um, take the job opportunities and that kind of stuff so they can build wealth. So I think there's, you know, moving forward, there's, um, there's a lot more opportunities uh, for the young Indigenous youth coming up to, you know, show the world that they can also um, build successful businesses too. And, you know, Indigenous people were innovative. Um, but, you know, it's hard to, when everything gets taken away and they're left in poverty to, you know, break those stereotypes at the night. Mm. So, um, what do you say when someone first approaches you and they go, you know, hey, Dean, I've got this great idea. What's the first bit of advice that you give them? Um, I try to, I try to be, um, bit of a devil's advocate. Um, I guess, you know, most people um, have got ideas, but it's just, it's just getting that early, you know, validation around the idea, the viability around the business model, um, 
So yeah, I just tell them to just, you know, switch ideation stage, just go out there, talk to, you know, potential customers, the community and, and get a bit more, um, uh, validation around that idea to see if it's worth pursuing. Hmm. Are you finding that, uh, a particular type of entrepreneur that approaches you to be part of the accelerator, um, program? Like, is it, are there lots of people in social enterprise or, you know, wanting to do something for the environment or is it more kind of specific to products? Or is there just no real mm. kind of, um, no general sort of mandate at all like coming from all walks of, of life and all areas of entrepreneurship? Yeah, pretty much the latter. Yeah. So it's very um, diverse range of ideas and, and backgrounds. Like I'm sure there's, um, you know, a lot of uh, strengths, like, you know, indigenous people are getting, um, some of them getting their land back now and they're converting a lot of uh, the assets into like agriculture, you know, um, which has obviously been a strong point for them, art, and that kind of stuff. Um, but we had our interviews with the Victoria's Indigenous Accelerator um, a couple of days ago, and yeah. we just had um, a wide range. Like we had one guy who's um, building um, dental um, apps for your phone to recognize and, and diagnose your teeth using AI and other guys trying to, you know, connect uh, pet owners um, with veterinarians and, and provide support, you know, for another app. So, um, yeah, quite, quite a range. Like, um, obviously, I think veterinarians people are, are very, uh, most of them are very uh, community-oriented, so they do, even though um, they might have commercial businesses, they still have that. Uh, social, social outlook yeah. in their business model and um, the perfect example is um, that I always refer to um, even though there's heaps of um, examples here is um, over, in, uh, over in America like in Canada you know when uh, the natives coat coats the pelts were taking off and um, a lot of those Native American communities um, you know, made, made uh, money and uh, but you never heard of um, a Native American uh, individual who became a multimillionaire. Like most of that that money yes. is put back in the community to you know buy weapons and food and and that kind of stuff. And you know I can relate that with the Indigenous entrepreneurs. I see even though um, a lot of them that we saw a couple of days ago were commercial, they still had that social uh, outlook and giving back to the community. Yeah. Do you think uh, any kind of great um, startup does have some element of purpose and wanting to do some kind of social good? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, in the past it wasn't like that. Like venture capital is <laughs> yeah. very hardcore, right? Yeah. So, um, but now people are starting to realise that it's not sustainable. So I think more people are thinking like Indigenous people about sustainability. Um, so yeah, I think like all businesses should definitely be like that. Yeah. What about for you? Like you said initially, that book landed on your desk and you were like, oh, entrepreneurship. Have you got a business in you? <laughs> Is there some kind of idea percolating away that one day we might see you, apart from 
obviously a fantastic mm. accelerator program. Is there some idea that's close to your heart that might come to fruition one day? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, um, so when I set out, I wasn't expecting to do anything um, in the community. I just wanted to learn how to run and grow businesses. Um, and know, now you've got all this expertise. Why not put it to some some use for yourself as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, with the whole Barry Ommel and um, Accelerator and the stuff I've done over the last couple of years, it just came out of frustration dealing with the government, to be honest. I saw a lot of money, didn't know what was going on. It wasn't going on the communities or helping those with the state of So I ended up so just, just doing it out of frustration. Um, when yeah. something had to be done. And, uh, but... Yeah, for me, yeah, we've got a few things uh, in the pipeline. Um, so, uh, hopefully we can... Watch this space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, watch this space. Yeah, it's not yeah. all about... Definitely, yeah, loving what I'm doing at Barry Yamal, helping the charity, you know, build it to what it is and ensure um, the other ones, you know, are competitive to how it's done. But, yeah, we've got a few projects in line, so keep an eye out. So, um... Let's go back to what you just said a minute ago about the, the disparity that is all this money getting poured into the ecosystem and yet the Indigenous entrepreneurs weren't really seeming to benefit from it. What do you think needs to be done to kind of redress that and, and make mm. you know, Indigenous entrepreneurship more of a focus and make sure the money gets to where it needs to go? Yeah, like it's, um, it's definitely not a... No. There's no silver bullet solution. It's um, very you know, complex and um, different things need to happen for it, you know, to make it actually happen. But um, I think policies can have a, a major impact. I think, in my opinion, there's been a lot of tokenism um, policies that haven't uh, really delivered any results in the Indigenous community or the, the wider Australian community. Um, you know, they talk about billions of dollars being spent. Um, being down the community, it's like you don't know where that money's going. Um, there's no accountability. We had a survey. How uh, we've got um, like a little members group at Barry Yamal, and over 900 members now, and we had 50 um, Indigenous entrepreneurs um, do a survey, and you know a lot of the, um, the feedback that we got um, was just basically around, you know, access to capital, like, and, you know, despite all this money supposedly gone in, um, indigenous entrepreneurs are like, you know, starving, they can't get access to capital, um, you know, they can't go to a bank, they haven't got a house and, or, mm. or assets to, to get a loan and, and then, yeah, they can't access any of this money that supposedly the government has, so... Which is, yeah, access to capital, obviously, you know, education supports up there too. Um, and then there's a bit of uh, criticism, the feedback results from, yeah, existing government policies. Uh, for example, hopefully I don't get in too much trouble, but, um, <laughs> like the Indigenous procurement policy, um, like what I'm, like it's nothing new, so suppose, like the government likes to promote it, like, you know, we've given, a billion to billion to indigenous businesses, but uh, previously it came out of, you know, had a lot of criticism because, um, like, some of these 
quote unquote indigenous businesses that are winning the big contracts mm-hmm. um, actually um, not really indigenous businesses. You know, they just have a black face, um, but behind it's a non-indigenous business. It's called black flooding. Yeah. And what I'm saying is nothing new. I think um, I can't remember which news agency news um, reporter did a story on it, but yeah, there's a few stories on it, and basically. Um, you know, the non-Indigenous companies use the, the benefits, grabs the, you know, an Indigenous person and, um, yeah. you know, they go into business, but most of that money goes to a non-Indigenous partner. So. Yeah, it's like diversity and inclusion programs. There's a lot of lip service, but not a real amount of movement, I think, in terms of real diversity and inclusion. Yeah, massively. And um, yeah, I don't see the point of it. Like, I think policies can have a massive positive impact, but tokenism policies, they don't do anything for anybody. Like, mm. if you're going to have that, then just have it for all strains. Don't have a uh, social procurement policy um, that benefits a few non-Indigenous businesses that can partner with a, a black face. Like, you know, that should be, um, everybody should be entitled to go through the contracts. Like, um, if it's going to be social climate policy, then it has to be an Indigenous business, a real Indigenous business, and then they have to be accountable. They have to deliver outcomes because the whole point of the Indigenous climate policy is to, to increase you know, um, Indigenous employment and help close the gap. So if it's not doing that, then just shut it down. Like, there needs to be more accountability with all these tokens and policies. Yeah. So what is the biggest kind of... Uh gap that you're seeing within the communities? Is it health-related? Is it skills gaps? What, what, what's the best area that we should be trying to throw some money at to actually really solve the problem or, you know, upskill mm. people or whatever? What's your opinion? Uh, yeah, again, like, I don't think there's um, civil there's well, I think there's a lot of band-aid solutions at the moment uh, instead of getting to the root of the problem. And and for me personally, growing up with the Aboriginal community in Gamba and also working with other communities, I've been doing a bit of work um, with the Wurundjeri mob down in Melbourne who the traditional owners here. And you know, a lot of it I actually is um, uh, access you know, to capital. Like I've got the poverty within you know, Indigenous communities I work with and, and from... Um, you know, it's, just, it's really obviously probably affects health, um, mental illness, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think, you know, if we can break that poverty cycle um, and have you know, better access to the capital to, um, you know, uh, achieve our self-determination aspirations, I think, you know, that'll benefit all strands. Like all this money's going into these band-aid. Uh, policies, these tokens and policies, but they aren't doing anything. Let's get to the root of the problem. The problem is, <laughs> to me, poverty. Like, you know, they've been stripped of their land, um, stripped of wages. Uh, there's no intergenerational wealth. Let's, let's build the wealth with Indigenous communities. And that would benefit everybody because the Indigenous businesses uh, employ a lot of non-Indigenous businesses too. And um, Indigenous entrepreneurs are very, you know, community-orientated. And that's where I think, you know, businesses in the future need to be because, you know, hardcore uh, capitalism is not as it's a state. It's not really sustainable for the future. You're absolutely right, Dean. I mean, I think community first as a credo we should all probably adopt. Anyway, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. 
So thanks again for chatting, Dean. And that's it for the first act. Don't forget, if you're looking for small business inspiration and advice, head to koshisbusinessbuilders.com.au.